Welcome to Buffy Boyfriends, the podcast where two boyfriends talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm Mike Lawless. And I'm Sam Spanish. And yeah, thanks for joining us again um, for episode five of Buffy the Vampire, episode five, season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So true. S1, E5, episode code 105, however you might want to say it. Yeah. What's this episode called again? Never... What is it? Never kill a boy on the first date? Yeah. Okay. You got it. Well, we didn't kill each other on the first date. No. We we pretty effectively avoided that on all dates so far. We were following Buffy's rule. <laughs> yeah. She she has set examples for a lot of different areas of my life, including not killing boys on the first date. Yeah. Oh, and I guess we should talk about the premise of the podcast beyond mm-hmm. just talking about the episode. One of us has loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer for their entire life. One of us has never seen it before. Find out which. Yeah. By the end of the episode, you might be able to figure out which one of us is which. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're not just here to talk about the episode, but and it's, it's actually a pretty special episode. We wouldn't normally be recording in the space we're at. We're at my parents' house for Thanksgiving. Yes, we are. We've been in this room before, but we've never podcasted in it. True. And We've never been here while my whole family has been here. Yeah. Usually just an empty house for the for the two of us to gallivant around in uh, and cook whatever we want, do whatever we want. But now there's six of us here this week, which is, a, you know, a whole new ball game. Yeah, but it's been going well so far. I feel like we've made good use of the space. Um, everyone's been able to work effectively because um, we have to work this week, unfortunately. Though we are both now done. Yes. the We are... I've been done all day because I didn't work today. Brag about it. Um, but I, I went to work in the kitchen today. So I work just just with everybody else. That's right. Mike and my mom have been baking up a storm downstairs while I was hard at work, tap, tap, tapping away on my laptop. Yeah. So, but we had a supervisor. So that was Me. important. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were supervising for a bit. Your sister supervised. Oh. Um, we had multiple managers. Felt like, good felt like a real work day. It's great that you can have an equal number of managers and workers. That's really what you need. It's a good business model. I think so. Um, yeah, so this is season one, episode five, as we discussed. This episode, it was so great for me to rewatch because I just have always remembered this episode being something I don't enjoy and like that I have a distaste for it. But honestly... And not to spoil my episode rankings, but this is my favorite one so far. Yeah, this was a really good episode. I feel like they they landed on a, a formula that works. Um, they tried some new monsters of the week the last few weeks that didn't really work out uh, thematically or um, otherwise. Yeah, I think that this like duality of Buffy's calling as a mystical superhero versus her also being a 16-year-old girl is where the show really is like the like the peak of itself. Whereas like before it's like she is dealing with like in which less so but with teacher's pet I guess it, it is still a combination of that where like she's trying to get a good chemistry grade and she has to kill a demon, but like this was a lot more effectively done. I think so. It was like she's being pulled in two different directions and how can she split herself uh evenly 
Yeah. Summary of this episode, Buffy tries to maintain some semblance of a normal teenage social life by going on a hot date. Meanwhile, the Master is plotting her demise by invoking the wrath of the Anointed One, a great warrior vampire who is the Master's most powerful weapon against the Slayer. Wow. Pretty pretty succinct. Yeah, pretty that, that is what happened this episode, but we're here we're to dive a little we're deeper than that. Episode. Oh, oh wait, we're done. Sorry, I, I was talking over my co-host <laughs> um so this episode was written by rob day hotel and dean batali who Wait, sorry can you spell rob day hotel r-o-b space d-e-s space hotel wow that's a name yes uh as in, and dean batali who seem to be writing partners they uh were the story editors for season one and became executive story editors for season two and they wrote five episodes together across the first two seasons. Okay, cool. Which we have not seen any of yet other than this one. But looking at it, I was like, they wrote some pretty good ones. Yeah, they set the bar high with yeah. this episode. Um, in addition, Rob Day Hotel wrote the 2009 Nintendo DS Buffy video game, uh, which is set post-season 7. So I will not be disclosing any more information about the game. Okay. I've also never played the game. Did you have a Nintendo DS? I did. So you could have theoretically played this game. Yes. I played either a GameCube or a PS2 Buffy game, um, which was fun. You ran around different parts of Sunnydale with a bunch of different kinds of weapons, killing vampires, which nice. sounds like is similar to this DS game <laughs> based on what I read. They had a very long summary of the game, of like the in- intricate plot details and all the different things about it. So I might not even have to play it. I'll just read that. Although I would imagine, like, the Xander Years Volume 1, it is non-canonical. I had forgotten about the Xander Years until you brought it up this minute, so thank you for that. Actually, I'm pretty sure that one of the episodes that these guys wrote is an additional feature in the Xander Years. And you're saying it's good? Um, oh wait, I'm getting it confused with uh, our uh, below-the-line spotlight people. Never mind. Okay. Um... This episode was directed by David Semmel, uh, which is it's his first of four directing credits on Buffy. He did two on Angel. Um, he's a director-producer, and he directed both the unaired and aired pilot of Heroes. Okay. Wait, there was an unaired pilot? That, that was a lot more common um, back, I guess, a long th- not a long time ago, but I feel like that was very something that happened. Like, they did, they shot a, a, a non-airable pilot instead of a first episode. Uh, which should have just been the pilot. But they, they usually, or like pretty regularly, they would shoot just like a test episode on aired pilot. And then if it got picked up by the network, they would shoot like an episode one. Got it. So it's not unaired because it was so bad that it couldn't go to air. It was just like for the executives yeah. to decide. Never it... meant to air, probably. Okay. Okay. Like the Buffy pilot. Seems like they're making extra work for themselves. Agreed. Uh, yeah, no idea why this was the practice when, like, shouldn't... Seems expensive. I guess it's more about being a proof of concept rather than the start of the story. Like, I mean, the Buffy unaired pilot is basically just the first episode, but they could have done, like, a Monster of the Week thing and just shown, like, this is what would happen in an episode of Buffy. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, that, it was, it, pilot, pilot culture is strange. Because I feel like now it's, you, you shoot the first episode and then go from there. That's it. Yeah. You got one shot. Do not miss your chance. Uh, and in addition, the director of this episode uh, directed 17 episodes of American Dreams, a show I'd never heard of. And he was the executive producer of Madam Secretary. 
go off Taylione. That was her, right? Is that the lead of Madam Secretary? I think so. Where she is Madam Secretary. I definitely watched the first episode of that. Yeah, that was right. At, I feel like that came out right after I moved to D.C. Spoiler alert for the listeners. I used to live in D.C. Um, it's You know, it's amazing to me that this is episode five and it's the first time this is coming out. Yeah. Um, and I think I was like in my I gotta watch every political drama out there because that's the life I'm living these days. But I don't think I ever made it more than two episodes into that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she'd be... Oh, can we spoil a not a show that's not I think the one yeah. we're recapping? I think she becomes Madam President, and they may mm. have like changed the title to reflect that. I don't know. I don't know, but you know that sounds like it sounds like it could much like Veep, yeah. although they didn't change yeah. the title. If you are Taya Leone and you're listening to this podcast, and you can confirm what I'm remembering or misremembering about your TV show, let us know in the comments. Yeah, I would love to know if they changed the name of the show. That would be unprecedented whoa good wordplay thank you donald trump um he he wants to tweet at that anyway uh so for our below the line spotlight i was very interested in the story editors of this episode because these are like i guess that's like a credit for people who are in the writer's room but who like there's different levels every lots of people are in the writer's room but there's like story editors and then there's like executive producers and all these people can write episodes but there were two other story editors on Buffy season one who also seem to be writing partners named Matt Keen and Joe Rankenmeyer um they are the story editors of season one uh and they are credited as being the writers for the the next episode as well as an episode of season two and uh they also worked as consultants in at in varying titles on Andromeda for 110 episodes and wrote 17 episodes of that show, so that's a lot. Yeah, seems like they found their niche. Yeah, never seen Andromeda. No, I don't know anything about it. Was that like a sci-fi show? Sounds like it. Cool. Don't know anything about it, but would guess yes. Uh, and our, for our IMDb deep dive, I looked into Owen Thurman, who was you know the primary secondary character of the episode introduced to Buffy's hot date Owen um he's you know he's had some luck getting some recurring roles on tv shows but seems to have been primarily doing one-off episodes of a bunch of shows over the years uh including an episode of Revenge which you you are focused in on over the last month or two yeah but I never watched more than the first two episodes on this uh nascent rewatch um who did he play on revenge he was a role named kevin hunter on season four episode 18 clarity wow i never made it to season four Mm. so i never even in the initial watch no Mm. it got bad (laughs) sorry when the dead dad christopher came alive again that really threw me off spoiling mid teen 2000s shows left and right on this episode Sorry, if you didn't come here for spoilers, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Uh, And he also wrote and produced and starred in a movie called The Devil's Dolls in 2016. Okay. I I don't think I'll be seeking that out. I probably wouldn't either. He did a pretty good job on this episode, though. I felt he was was giving. He was giving hunk. He was handsome, yeah. I wanted to get your prediction. Do you think we'll see Owen again? 
It sounds like no, especially given how the episode ends. I feel like we're not going to see Owen. It seems like, oh, can we spoil the end of the episode before we get there? I think that's fine. He seems like really interested in being part of Buffy's little gang of vampire hunters. And she says no. Um, She turns him down. A reversal of earlier in the episode when she was like really into him and begging for him to ask her on a date um he invite he he asked her to go on a date to go walking around the town at 3 a.m to kill something and she said no she declined yeah but they agreed to be friends so maybe. yeah but does that ever work out i guess we'll have to wait and find <laughs> out uh yeah so this is the so the episode opens with the master underground reading from a book we hadn't seen him since uh his little fiasco in the pilot when he <laughs> did something to try to get out of his whatever um <laughs> pretty much yeah, yeah. Exactly. um and we he had waited 60 years for this timing to work out to do his whatever yeah um and it didn't work out and we thought damn buffy has just ended the master but he's back he needed some time to come up with his next plan his next prophecy really it seems like it's all surrounding these prophecies that'll help him get out yeah and he i think he's decided i can't wait 60 more years yeah we gotta accelerate this gonna have to go in for the anointed one so he reads that basically uh there will come a time when five people will die and from their ashes the anointed one will rise and this warrior is going to be the key to killing the slayer hmm i mean this sounds easier than his last plot to get out so i'm wondering why he didn't try this first yeah he could have just waited two more weeks and then (laughs) seemed like this could have helped but i don't know that wasn't what how the pilot was written well i think you know if he had gotten out two weeks earlier he could have been there to greet the anointed one himself true uh and so we go to the library and Oh wait, the first scene was really Oh, Buffy's killing some vampires. Yeah, she's again, doing tr- she's training. I promise next episode I will write my own notes because and maybe I'll just edit the Wikipedia article to be <laughs> better because he's it, taking on a lot of extra projects. I on know this one. I, it's really not helping me with my time management, but for all the future Buffy recap podcasts out there, you're welcome yeah. for the work Sam is about to do. Please take your own notes. Um Okay, yeah, so it starts in the graveyard, and Buffy's, like, she's fighting, and she's quipping back and forth. She's, like, she's not even back and forth. She's really just, like, entertaining herself, talking out loud to the vampire. Uh, and she's, like, I'm Buffy, and you're history. And she, like, thrusts the stake into the vampire, and Giles appears and is, like, you're not being efficient enough. Like, it should just be plunge and move on, plunge and move on. Yeah, Giles is there to dampen the mood. Like, Buffy, she just killed a vampire. Like, that should be cause for celebration. Um, But nothing she does is ever good enough for Giles. It seems like she's always doing something that would be helpful, but he has a better idea of how it should have been done. Okay, well, let's see you go out there and kill some vampires, Giles. Yeah, while she was killing vampires, you were hiding behind a big stone thing waiting to critique her got him (laughs) and you tried killing some vampires later in the episode and it didn't really pan out that well so maybe he should take a back seat yeah and i think he you know you know we're referencing the final scenes but 
I think he's recognizing that she does do a much better job than she gets, he gets her, her credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, yeah, so the vampire dies, and then usually, as we've seen when a vampire dies, it just all disappears, like the clothes and everything, but uh, Giles notices a ring has fallen to the ground where the vampire was staked, and he's like, this is curious. Yeah. Cute ring. Um... It had, like, some inscription on it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, like, th- then ne- the next day in the library, they're looking at it. They're like, this is... They're like, whoa. Uh, keep looking at the ring. And they're, like, checking it against books. Buffy notices on the inside that there's a moon and three star... Or a sun and three star symbol. Moon or sun. And she's like, haven't we seen this before? And Giles is like, I don't think so. And then Buffy's like, uh, it's right here in the book. And he's like the order of Aurelius, brethren of Aurelius. Like he, uh, I think that's the name of the master's posse, I guess. Uh, or some group of people who are associated with the master. And so, yeah, they're like, this is interesting. And so Giles then goes off to like look up stuff about them. And that's when a man enters the library. And Giles is like, what do you want? And he's like, uh, a book? Yeah. Because uh, this is still a functional library in a high school, so supposedly other students use it from time to time. It just doesn't seem like Giles is too used to people coming in. Yeah, he's made it inhospitable for the other students. Yeah, I mean, they constantly are pulling out these supernatural texts. And, it. I mean, I guess it's good, good on Giles that he also is stalking Emily Dickinson for Owen Thurman, but I would imagine... You've got a lot more prophecies in this library than in most high school libraries. Yeah, so it begs the question, did does, did Giles come to the school with all of his mystical books and set it up in the library, or do those come with the library in Sunnydale? I think we discussed this last week, and I, I would bet that Giles has brought a lot of books with him. Mm, okay. Even though we are on a Hellmouth. There were no mystical books at the Hellmouth Library okay, until Giles arrived. Well, at least that's what I think. Okay. Who knows? Um, so, yeah. So, Owen is like... Did he get rid of other books like that the other students might need to I make bet. room for these books? I honestly think he probably did. He seems like he's bad at his job. You know, Both li- as a watcher and as a librarian. <laughs> Librarians? A very important part of a librarian's job is pruning the shelves and picking out things that aren't needed to be in circulation anymore. And Giles just has a very specific eye for what that means. Uh, so yeah, Owen is like, I lost my Emily Dickinson. Uh, it's stupid, but I like to keep her around as a security blanket. <laughs> yeah, bad. I don't, I, I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about Emily Dickinson poems, but they are dark right she that's the impression i got from yeah the things he was saying so he's like a tortured soul in the body of a hunk i feel like a lot of hunks in media tend to be tortured souls big archie vibes is it well he seems like a tortured soul a little bit well i've only seen season one as Mm. discussed so i guess i'm not sure i just remember him being normal boy Oh, maybe I'm misremembering. Is it Jughead who's tortured? Yeah. Okay. He's well, he the, loved like, books, too. He did. He was a writer. Mm-hmm. And him and Betty were together. Um. Yeah, so Giles is like, oh, she's over in poetry, or like, the book is over in poetry. 
Buffy's like pretending to know who Emily Dickinson is, calls her Emily Dickens, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and just like is going over with Owen to the bo- poetry section, and Owen's like, I didn't expect to find you here, and Buffy's like, what? Why not? I. What do you mean? And Owen's like, I just didn't think you'd be the type to like have your nose in a book or whatever. Okay, fucked up, misogynist. I, I agree, and there were a lot of lines similar to that in this episode where I was like, this is not being treated with the reaction that i think it deserves yeah if someone said that to me i would not be interested in them anymore but it seems to kind of pull buffy in even further like i can prove to you that i'm smart and beautiful yeah and i want more for her this guy is cute but i think that just like just the first reaction or the first interactions i'm like this yeah Every man on this show so far has just been so rude to Buffy, and she just takes it. And she's in some some way she's into it too. And it's like, oh, that's a good point. I wonder who the first male character will be who isn't mean to her. Okay, we'll watch out for that. We're watch the this space. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he rents Emily Dickinson from the library, and he like he goes off and buffy is like giles do you have any more copies of emily dickinson (laughs) uh she wants to get to know things about owen yeah and you know that's uh the highest form of flattery i guess she's ready to to quote some dark poetry to get this guy to notice her yeah and giles is like dude you're a vampire slayer like focus up yeah i feel like she has enough darkness in her life Mm -hmm. she doesn't need dickinson Sure. What kind of what what what's some brighter? Oh yeah, she could read uh, T.J. Clune for some brighter stories. Yeah, but I wouldn't recommend anyone read that. Me either. But you know that's the go-to. It's like a blanket. Hmm. <laughs> no comment. No comment. I, everyone should read what they like, and that's where I. I that's all I'll say. <laughs> Great. Uh, so they go to the library, I mean the cafeteria, and Buffy is talking to Willow about how she's been, she flirted with Owen, like, and Willow's like, oh my god, he doesn't speak to anybody, he's, he can brood for 40 minutes, I've clocked him, uh, and Buffy's like, Willow says, what did you talk about? And she says, Emily Dickinson. And Willow says, but you don't know anything about Emily Dickinson. And Buffy puts the book down on the table and Willow goes, you vixen. Willow's really uh, getting some characterization here. She's getting some quippy lines. Yeah, much better than the previous episode where she was so pro-virginity. Now she's like, you should make out with that guy. Yeah, well, I think the moral of the episode last week was that you should lose your virginity. So maybe she has turned a new leaf. That was the meta meaning of the episode, but that's what I took away from it. It seems like they were like, go, go non-sex havers. No, not for us. Uh, And so Buffy notices Owen sitting alone. Oh wait, this actually, this scene had a very funny line to me. Like for like a second in this episode, I really thought that I was going to come away being like okay like xander because like the first two scenes with xander like pining over buffy it wasn't like so awful like it has been um and it's just kind of more just like he likes her but she doesn't like him uh but like so like in this first scene here he's like so buffy had the slang go last night and she says xander like like because he said it too loud and she and he goes 
I mean, how'd the laying go last night? Uh, and that made me laugh for a long time. <laughs> He's trying. He is. Uh, oh, well. It, you know, and we will go into the details of how terrible Xander became throughout the episode. Uh, it wasn't just fun and games for long. Um, so Buffy notices Owen sitting alone. And she goes over to sit. And she's like, hey, remember me from 60 seconds ago in the library? She's got her book. Got the book. Uh, but Cordelia also notices Owen sitting alone. And even though Buffy's sitting with him, she says, oh, hey, an empty seat. And she, like, bumps Buffy out of the way and knocks all of her food to the ground. Yeah. Very uh, aggressive. Yeah. Cordelia is on the hunt. She sees something she likes and she goes after it. Yes. I support her. Yeah. But uh, Owen doesn't. No. Owen does not support Cordelia. Owen is not a fan of Cordelia. Cordelia is like, Owen, a bunch of us are going to hang out at the bronze tonight. Are you coming? And Owen says, who's going to be there? And Cordelia says, well, I'm going to be there. And Owen is like, who else? <laughs> that was tough. Yeah. I feel like that's been... I feel like that's the... So far, what this episode was talking about, like just seems like boys are more interested in the Buffy than Cordelia. And it's just like, I hope that she gets a man soon. Yeah, fingers crossed for Cordelia. This is, We're going to watch the space for a man for Cordelia. <laughs> or just even any plot line. I feel like... Yeah, it's tough. She's been sort of relegated to scenes at the school or at the bronze where she just says something funny or mean, and that's about it. Yeah. Because she was pretty central in the first episode and in the second episode. And then in the last two, it's just kind of like one scene or whatever where they're like, she's still here. Yeah. And we're watching for her. Yeah. We're, we're appreciative of what we get, but we just want more. A hundred percent agreed. Uh, so Owen is like, yeah, let's go to the bronze at eight tonight. And Buffy's like, absolutely. I'll be there. Great. Plan made. But then she's talking to Giles and he's like, I looked into the order of Aurelius that you so deftly figured out from this book and the symbol. And there's this prophecy and it just so happens that, and I calculated it out. Tonight is the night where the anointed one will rise from the fires of five dead people. Wow. How fortuitous that it's on the night when Buffy has plans. I know. Buffy's date with Owen and Buffy's like, no, I can't do that tonight. I like, I, it's, I have a, I have a date. It's very important. Yeah. And Giles says, you have a much more important calling as the slayer, the protector of the world. Um, and Buffy, you know, gives in. It, it, she, it, it's like, Giles is like, we're tonight we go to battle. And then they smash cut to Buffy and Giles just like sitting in the cemetery. Nothing has happened. Yeah. Seems like Giles got this one wrong. He did. Um, well, he didn't, but it wasn't the, exactly what they thought it would be. In the moment, we are led to believe that Giles was wrong. Indeed. Uh, and we're also getting scenes at the same time of this bus, being, bus driving around town. And there's a guy quoting Catholic scripture of some kind as the bus is just driving through the night uh and seems like a bad bus to be on yeah there's there were there were like 20 people on it and just like this dude is and you think that he is gonna be like a demon already but then the bus driver drives into a guy who stands in the middle of the road who is
he's a vampire, so he doesn't get killed by the bus. And just, like, it crashes, and then the vampires kill all the people on the bus. Uh, and that's all we see of that for now. Yep. Sort of like a weird cutaway. We don't really know what to make yeah. of this. There's a boy playing with, like, an airplane. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. boy. Yeah, they all died, including Scripture Man. And... Then we see, so but now that Giles and Buffy aren't, like, gonna do anything, Buffy's like, so that means I can go to the bronze? And Giles is like, sure. And so she goes, but she when she gets there, she sees that Owen and Cordelia are dancing together. Ooh, that's a tough break. So Owen, I guess, is into Cordelia as long as Buffy is not around. That's what we're picking up on here. That's how it seems to me. But they were they were dancing, like arm length apart there was no body contact yeah and i felt like even in when we were seeing it in this moment it was clear that cordelia was a lot more interested in it happening than him yeah i just wish i want more for both these girls yeah like, he, he is not being nice to either of them true he's sort of negging them both <laughs> playing them against each other yeah dastardly uh and yeah, so she leaves, and the yeah she leaves the bronze. She's like, I I can't deal with this. Uh, and so the next day at school, Buffy and Xander run into each other at the lockers, and Buffy's like, Yeah, like I'm sad. Owen was dancing with Cordelia, and Buffy's getting something out of her locker, and then Owen shows up and is like, Hey, where were you? Yeah, what happened? We had plans at eight, and like Owen. And Buffy says, like, we don't have any clocks at home, and so I didn't know what time it was or even what year it was, and so I couldn't go. A classic mishap. Yeah. And so Owen is like, well, here, you can borrow my watch. Let's meet at 7 tonight. And Buffy's, like, thrilled about it. And I've, I, and I, at first I was like, Owen, have some respect. Like, she just totally ditched you. Yeah, no she excuse, ghosted you. And you had a plan, and she just didn't show up. But... At the same time, I remembered my dating days and was like, if somebody gave me even the smallest excuse and remade plans, I'd be like, okay, sure. True. Yeah. I was very forgiving. Overly. Yeah. And look where it got me. Well, I've never had anything to forgive with you. Wow. That's huge. (laughs) Uh, And then, so he hands Buffy this like huge golden watch and then Xander looks down at his like Looney Tunes watch. Yeah. It was a, a real compare and contrast mm-hmm. scene you know we've got owen the adult or whatever the the grown-up man with yeah. the fancy watch and xander still in at, at five years old whatever he was doing with He's willow a back then damn yeah. boy yeah whatever grow up xander you're how old are they supposed to be 16 16 i don't think you need a looney tunes watch anymore yeah, I guess maybe in, I mean, you carry a watch everywhere. You have an Apple Watch. Fancy, yeah. Um, But I've never been a watch sort. See, I only use this watch because I like it when I go for runs, and I really don't use it for any other function beyond that. Um, So maybe I wouldn't be a watch person now. Although, on days where I do forget the watch, it does feel weird that I don't have it on my wrist. So maybe... I've gone past the point of no return. You're a watch guy now. I guess. Uh, so yeah, later that night, 
Buffy and Xander and Willow are all in Buffy's room, and they're helping Xander, or they're helping Buffy prepare for her date. Buffy's got her different dress options out. She's like, what should I wear? Should I go with this one or this one? And Xander's like, you should wear this big winter coat and a cat. And a hat, I mean. And a cat. And a cat. The cat from no sign, Witch. No sign of the cat from Witch. Ugh, in only in the opening credits. Every single time, though. So. Kind of. Pretty good. The main character over Cordelia. <laughs> at this rate. <laughs> at least on equal footing. Uh, and so, yeah. This is. And then, so. This is a bad. This, this is terrible. Trigger warning. This is a bad scene. Yeah. Xander's awful. He is. Buffy's like, should I wear the pink lip, ball, lip, whatever it's called, lip gloss, gloss or lipstick? lipstick? Yeah, sorry. Uh, or two men here. Yeah, I know. Or the red. Uh, and Xander says, uh, which one should you wear to kiss him with so that he can go home the next day and tell all his guy friends about how easy you are and everyone at school talks behind your back? Uh, the red will be fine. And so he's preemptively slut shaming her yeah the girl he's in love with right normal behavior yeah this seems like it's gonna go well buffy picks the pink over his uh suggested red and then she starts to change in her dress and but and buffy and Willow are like can you turn around dude and xander says you're not bothering me and then they're like dude literally turn around so he does but then he goes over to a mirror on buffy's shelf and starts angling it so she can he can watch her change it's so fucked up it, it's like i cannot i mean obviously i can believe this because i lived through the cultural moments where this w- made sense but like with a modern lens it's just like how is this a guy who we are supposed to be like rooting for on the good team who like and like this is never thought about or meditated on it's just like funny Xander moment. He's just trying to get a peek. Yeah. He's just trying everything to win Buffy's hearts. Yeah. It's it's really fucked up and it, I don't know what to say. I'm at a loss for words. And they he like messes up the mirror or something, makes a loud noise. They don't even catch him doing this. Yeah. It, like he's just an idiot, basically. Yeah. We don't like Xander. This could be the Xander slander of the episode. I would say it's at least, yeah, I feel like this is a good, a, a, a very good potential for a worse Xander moment. Um, the doorbell rings and they go downstairs. Joyce, nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Still. She's still at the gallery. I guess she was uh, at that show. Could be. Uh, still no sight of the gallery. Not yet. That could be a season two set. I hope so. Uh, and, but, and so they expect it's going to be Owen, obviously, but it's actually Giles. And he's like, look at this. And he has a newspaper. Five people died. Uh, a van crashed. And among them was a suspected murderer, Andrew Borba, uh, who is the man who was quoting all the prophecy or all the like biblical stuff or screw. I don't even know if it's actual biblical stuff. Neither of us have a strong Catholic background behind us. Um, and she's just like, this is the smallest amount of evidence. Like, you have no idea if this is even real. True. I'm on Team Buffy here. Like, Giles (laughs) fucked up last night and caused me to ruin the date with this dark guy. Um, I'm going on this date if I'm Buffy. I'm going on the date. I'm not going hunting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I have the benefit of hindsight, knowing that he was correct. But 
it seems like it is all lining up where he was like the prophecy said that five people were, would die last night and then here's this newspaper article that says five people died last night in mm-hmm. fire i feel like five people die every day that's True. dark sorry at least five yeah so the prophecy could be happening any day could but i guess it's happening this day that's what giles believes anyway but buffy convinces him to just not even it's it's not basically gaslighting him sort of taking something out of xander's book i bet she's a gaslight girl boss and we support no and i i'm sure she'll gatekeep she gatekeeps at the end of the episode doesn't let Owen in the group she's gonna lean in (laughs) um then then owen shows up and they're all just at the front door and giles is like you need to do this tonight. And Buffy is like, he gets really, uh, like serious about late fees. <laughs> and Owen's like, you're really committed to your job. Um, and so Buffy and Giles need to keep talking. So Willow and Xander pull Owen to the living room and Xander's like, don't even look at her. Don't touch her. Don't kiss her. She like, she's all, she hates being touched. Not a good friend at all. No, I'm shaking. You can't see it, but I'm shaking my head here. S M D H. He's not being supportive, and he's acting like a weird father figure. It, it's weird. It's, N- not into it. It's getting very weird. Xander is an idiot and awful. And even Willow doesn't even necessarily, like, stop this from happening. She's just kind of like, Xander. But it's like, hey, maybe cut this guy out of your life. I know. And it feels like Willow... Probably didn't have very many friends before the series started. It seemed like Xander was her f- her one friend. And Jesse. Don't forget Jesse. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Um, but was he more of, like, Xander's friend? That's what it seems like. Yeah. But... But they're all friends. They were all friends. But now you've got Buffy, who is cool and chic and listens to her and gives her pep talks about her confidence. And you don't need Xander. Not at all. Drop him. Drop him. Drop him, babe. That's our that's our uh, piece of advice. You don't need this guy. Yeah. Fingers crossed he's not in the next episode. The next 140 episodes. That would be the ideal. The Xander episodes, the Xander season, only goes to S1, E5. <laughs> yeah. I You know, we won't read the description of the next episode yet, but you may be slightly disappointed. Fuck. <laughs> um so yeah they go to the bronze and but giles is like okay well i'm gonna go to the funeral home just in case to like check things out oh right because the people died so he's got to so is the anointed one supposed to be one of these five dead people that it's like yeah that's the prophecy it's like five will die and from among them one will rise and they are the appointed anointed one what about what happens to the other four they're just they could also be vampires or just die Hmm. that's that's a tough gamble only a 20% chance if you're dying in this group of five that you get to keep living on as a vampire. But as we saw, two at least two of them became vampires. Mm. Oh, right, because the little boy is not dead. Right, he is the anointed or I guess, like, dead, but living dead. But a vampire, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they go to the bronze. Giles goes to the funeral home. Uh and we see that, like, at the funeral home, Giles is attacked by vampires. And he gets, like, locked into a room um, with a bunch of people, or, I mean, by himself. Uh, and he's just, like, trying to find 
any weaponry or somewhere to hide and he is just like stuck somewhere and Xander and Willow have followed him to the funeral home they open up a window in the room he's in and it's like with barred pipes or whatever Mm -hmm. and they're like can you get out and I was like no (laughs) um and Willow and Xander are like we can we can go get Buffy and but and Giles is like she has a beeper oh Uh, right we forgot the yeah a couple iconic lines um but Buffy is just kind of like Giles I'm gonna I'm I'm still the slayer but I'm also a teenage girl I'm going to fuck so yeah get lost um but I won't go far if the apocalypse comes beat me yeah good line I'd heard it before from you probably yeah um and I recognized it when I heard it Mm -hmm. and Giles also said something along the lines of like you need to be able to keep your secret identity a secret. And Buffy says, oh, okay, so I won't wear my pin that says, I'm a slayer, ask me how. Mm. I feel like she could wear that and get away with it. Um, she does slay. True. Uh, so also at the same time... Blah, 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 blah. Okay, yeah, so Buffy and uh, Owen went to the bronze, and they're dancing, hanging out, talking about Emily Dickinson. Uh just like chilling and he's like yeah she's all about death and bees and like she's so solitary and alone and i really relate to that mm. what's good what happened to this guy yeah did we get we didn't really get his backstory did we no he's just kind of this like hot sad guy who's used to being alone yeah very weird very strange very strange but in archetypical boy in a high school show i think broody man interested in poetry okay uh but yeah i would you know would love to find out more about why he is the way that he is yeah maybe if buffy had accepted his offer at the end of the episode we would have gotten the backstory and maybe we still will in future episodes i don't know he has to go make a dance with the devil or whatever devil's devil's dolls the devil's dolls um yeah uh, so she, he says, can I get you anything to eat? And she says, only if it's fattening or something like that. And oh, so, so the bronze has food indeed. is what we're learning. We've learned this. Yeah, it's sort of like a, it's all it's all manner of things. It's an all-purpose location. It, it really is. A community center. And just wait until they start using the bronze set for different sets. Whoa. Which you may or may not notice. I feel like anytime they go to a factory, it's the bronze. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, they do have those, like, gangways. Mm-hmm. The what are they called? The, the things where yeah, you walk the, above the, the dance floor slash factory floor. Yeah, like the path, something, some kind of path. Yeah, if you know what it's called, let Raised us know in the pathway. Yeah, let us know in the comments after you rate and review. Please don't forget to rate and review. Um. Okay. So then Angel walks in, mm. and Cordelia is there at the same time, and she's just like. First, she can't believe that Buffy and Owen are even there together. Angel walks in, and she's, like, suddenly all about Angel. But she she watches Angel go up and talk to Buffy. And she's like, literally, what is happening in this world? Yeah, she's got two... She She's interested in two hot, gloomy guys. And all they want to do is talk to Buffy. I agree. I did feel like this scene specifically... Angel and David David Boreanaz was really doing comedy in this episode. He was <laughs> really making me laugh. His, he got some notes. Yeah, like it, there was more to him, even though it was very similar to what he had been doing in previous episodes. 
he, there was additional something going on behind his eyes where like he was finally showing some kind of personality yeah. they were like hey we want to keep your character in the show but you gotta give a little more yeah um not too much though i mean he is sort of like a cordelia level character since episode i mean he wasn't even in the witch or was he wait was he in no he was in the fork episode because he gave her the jacket he gave lots of oh yeah but he wasn't even in the witch um no i don't think so he has the he every time he shows up he does have the opportunity to go above and beyond a cordelia level plot but he chooses to remain removed yeah he just it's so strange though because like we know that he fights demons because we know that he fought the fork guy and he's like been fighting them for some time it seems based on what he said but we've never actually seen him do anything anything. no he just shows up to look cryptic in a leather jacket or a tank top and that's about it yeah he did look good in this episode though yeah he looked very much he looked much skinnier in this episode to me okay yes i had the same observation it was very it was odd um but he's like he's like you're here on a date you need to be out there like the order of aurelius and buffy's like i already know giles and i've talked about it um like do you think he and giles are communicating at all no i don't think that they've met okay off screen maybe i mean perhaps maybe they are but i think based on what we've seen so far they don't know each other okay um and so yeah owen comes back and he's like hey who's this guy and uh buffy says i know him from work yeah and owen's like you work okay so he doesn't believe women is what i'm hearing uh then xander and willow show up it's like this is like i love the both of these scenes were just like suddenly there's like six people in the room together and they're all like talking about different things yeah getting really claustrophobic in the bronze yeah, Xander and Willow had to run all the way to the bronze because there was no phone in the funeral home or anywhere along the way, I guess. So they didn't have any way to beep Buffy, which is, I mean, it is an iconic line. If the apocalypse comes, beep, beep me. But it's strange that then nobody ever beeps her. Well, the apocalypse must not be here yet. I guess, but... I don't know. How does a beeper work, by the way? So, I mean, I've never used one, but I believe this is what it is. A beeper has a number associated with it, and so, like a phone number. Yeah, like some or some, some series of numbers. I don't know if it's seven or ten digits or what have you, but you someone with a phone can call a beeper, and the beeper will display the number that called, and so the person with the beeper can find a phone and call that number back. Mm, okay, I believe, and I've never looked it up because. You know, I was born in 94. Yeah. Maybe we can find a beeper in between this episode and next and try it out. See if it works. I know it's a big thing in medical shows. Oh, yeah. They're always getting beeped. Yeah. Like in the surgery, right? In in what? Like when they're in surgery, they got it. Yeah. Well, my main knowledge of it, maybe it is big. Maybe it isn't Grey's Anatomy, but I feel like in scrubs, they're always getting beeped and they have to like run to go like save somebody who's flatlining. Mm-hmm. I never watched Scrubs. Mm. I, you know, I won't make a comment on if it holds up or not, but I did love it for many years. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to have a less Zach Braff in my life, so I don't see me watching it sure. anytime soon. You're on Florence's side, obviously. True. Yeah. 
right now I've got him down to he's not in my life at all. And that's where I'd like him to stay. Okay. So you won't be listening to the Donald Faison, Zach Braff, Scrubs Rewatch podcast? Not right now, no. Okay. Fair enough. Um, who, who so far do you think would be the two best people to do a Buffy Rewatch podcast from the cast? Right now, a Buffy Rewatch podcast. Um, well, I'd love to hear Cordelia's thoughts. What's her name? Charisma, Charisma Carpenter. Carpenter. Yeah, I would love to hear her thoughts, especially maybe, especially from these early episodes. Like, what are you thinking? You're not part of the plot here. We'd love to hear what Cordelia is thinking about while all of this is going on. I agree. I do think that a Charisma Carpenter behind the scenes episode by episode podcast would be incredible. Also, but also just because she has, there's a lot of history there with her and Joss Whedon. I don't know how much you know about the plot production side yeah i feel like i i have heard about the joss whedon allegations Mm -hmm. and i they're they seem bad i just don't know the details he treated her terribly in particular and i feel like even before it was popular to dislike joss whedon it was known that he and her he like really really did her wrong Ugh, that's so fucked up on numerous occasions yeah it is well i would pick her and willow whoa sarah michelle geller sniffed out i feel like she's probably said enough about buffy over the last 25 years that and and would she even do a podcast that seems like a continuation not for the main star like do you see the main oh i guess we just said zach braff is doing the scrubs podcast yeah i feel like i I mean i just i could do all three all three girls can be on the podcast that'd be fun yeah girls only buffy girls uh i i just find the concept of actors from a show recapping their show and like who does it so fascinating like the office ladies obviously and we like we just talked about the friday night lights one that's starting with may whitman who was never on friday night lights uh and just like all i mean there's so many of them now that i because they oh and the oc which you've never seen no um this is the people that they choose the people who it's not just the people they choose to do it but like the actors who at this point in their career are deciding that it is the right move for them to just go back to the well of the, <laughs> the thing that they were most successful doing well if it made them a lot of money oh yeah I and mean, hey i mean we're doing a buffy recap podcast when we were never even on buffy vampire Slayer. so like i'm not shading As... i'm not shading the actors whatsoever I, I just think it's a very interesting thing to think about yeah i guess they're going back to their glory days I would have loved to have been an actor on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And maybe you will be. Maybe you'll be in one of the episodes coming up. As Well, we did discuss me uh, rewriting some lines in a previous episode. <sighs> okay. So yeah, Willow and Xander show up and they're like, Hey, uh, we gotta go. Let's go hang out at the funeral home. We thought it could be a double date. Like, we're together now. Uh, and... Owen and Owen's like, whoa, that sounds cool. Yeah, let's go to the funeral home. Yeah, so the guy who's into darkness and death into going to the funeral home. So maybe he would be a good uh, four, fifth person onto the team. He seems to know a lot about uh, death thematically. Yeah, he's thought about it a lot. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't been to the funeral home before. That is surprising. You would think he'd be like, I've got a key. 
now that would have been a great plot twist. Mm -hmm. Maybe his parents owned the funeral home and then they died. And now he, that's why he's so sad and dark. And now he runs the funeral home. And that's why he has the key. I think that that would be a great addition to Owen's character. We're rewriting every episode as we go along. We're the real executive story editors here. That's the that's the title of the people who wrote the episode. Mm, I see. Yes. Uh, so they convince her to come and leave Owen, and she's Owen and Zan, Owen Buffy talk, and she's like, "Remember how I like you said I seem like two different people? Well, one of them really has to go, but the other one will come right back." Uh, and so they leave, but like not long after they get to the funeral home, it is revealed that Owen has followed them. A classic man on this show move because xander does that like every week just like shows up without yeah. being asked like when they went to the like sewers in mm-hmm. one episode and buffy was like do not follow me do not come and lo and behold there he is yeah if buffy tells a man to do something he says absolutely not no it's like hey angel maybe help me and he says no because i noticed one person didn't go with them to the funeral home cordelia angel was the one I two was two people of. so we're left cordelia and angel are just hanging out at the bronze that's what it seems like okay where where's the scene with that yeah where's the cordelia and angel spinoff um and so they show up and buffy's like okay yeah like i'll go check around you guys like barricade your way and you barricade yourself in this door in this room um and she like runs off to find where giles had been hiding himself and this is sort of the start of like it was very, it was like, it had the potential to be like a Mrs. Doubtfire thing, mm. but like it, and it had that sort of energy, but they didn't lean into it enough for me, but like, it really could have been like a farcical, like trip around the funeral home where she's like, has to go fight a vampire with Giles and then she's running back to Kizzo and like that kind of thing. But it didn't, it wasn't enough. Maybe we'll get that in a future episode. Yeah, could be. I think they'll probably be returning to the idea of. Buffy as Slayer, Buffy as Teenager. I hope so, because it worked really well this episode. I agree. Um, so yeah, they're running around. They barricade themselves in the like office or whatever, but then behind a curtain... This is Willow, Xander, and uh, Owen. And But behind a curtain is a dead body on like a metal... Gurney? Gr- could be a gurney, yes, under a blanket. And Owen's like, wow, I've never seen a dead body before. And then he's like... Are they supposed to move? Uh, because the vampire is rising from the dead. Yeah, you'd think a guy who's so intimately familiar with death would have more of a clue. Yeah, I feel like most poetry about death is kind of like, and they'll never move again. Yeah, that's how, famously, that's how every Emily Dickinson poem ends. Or That or bees. Oh, right. The bees will never move again. Uh, and so... Then they start trying to get out of the room while the vampire is like slamming his head against the glass window to break through it to come attack them. He only slams his head once. He's like, and then it cracks open. Vampires are strong. Vampires They have strong strong. head muscles. We also saw vampires being strong because we saw the like pipes that were blocking Giles' exit through the window. They were like pulled apart when Giles, when Buffy was like running around trying to find him. Wow. He, and so yeah, vampires strong. So was Buffy though. Buffy also strong. Yeah. Uh, they get out of the office room, like this like parlory room in the funeral home. 
they like they're running trying to find Buffy and Giles and they like close the door on the other vampires who are trying to get into the funeral home uh and then like basically they all get together and they start fighting the vampire yeah i would say this fight scene a little bit better than the ones we've seen before we're back to buffy gymnastics yes we got a flip out of buffy i agree this was better like thematically or like moving the story forward because owen was there and she was like reacting to her thinking that he died when the vampire like slammed him against the metal well the vampire was like you're dead yeah so if I heard that and I was Buffy, I'd be like, "Fuck! You killed my, you killed my date." Uh, Don't kill a boy on the first date. Hence the title. And Owen's obviously not dead, but like at one point, the vampire throws Giles into a wall, and like Giles tries to stabilize himself and accidentally presses a button on the wall that turns on the incinerator, and so Buffy throws the vampire into the kiln, and. <laughs> They, st- they slam the door on him. Yeah. So that's one way to kill a vampire. Fire. Fire. It seems to work. Yeah. Go off, Buffy. Yeah. Go queen. Um, and so, yeah, then... Uh, yeah. The next morning, Buffy and Owen run into each other. And Owen is like, hey, like we gotta hang out more. Um, that was awesome. Yeah. I've never felt more alive. Yeah. Something like that. And Buffy says, oh, so, like, that's why you want to hang out with me? Because it's, like, you're in danger when you're with me? And he says, absolutely. Like, Mm. not catching the tone on Buffy's voice. Sort of a theme of the show so far. People not really listening to what she's saying. Uh, And he's like, yeah, let's go downtown at 3 a.m. and pick a fight in a bar. Let's, like, break into something. And she's like, Owen, we can't do this. You can't be part of my gang. Yeah. That's too bad. Do you think... So Owen seems to have had, like, an epiphany on his date with Buffy. Do you think he wrote his college essay about the night he fought a vampire at the funeral home and what it taught him? Um, Maybe, yeah. Because I, like, I think that what we're supposed to get out of this Owen character arc-wise is, like, before this happened, he was so obsessed with death and, like he didn't have like didn't know why or like didn't have any thoughts beyond that but now he's like not obsessed with death but obsessed with like escaping death or like going to the brink of death and coming back Hmm. he was so fascinated with it and now he's even more interested in like pursuing closeness with death or being afraid i don't know so it seems like she unlocked like a new level and she's out she's not in she's not into that yeah she just recognizes that because later like after owen leaves giles comes up and buffy's like you and willow and xander like you're careful you like understand that this is dangerous but if owen were to be part of our group he would die in like two weeks because he would just be like going and trying to be brave boy yeah but do we think that at least xander is careful he doesn't listen to buffy he just shows up i agree but like he is also like a coward true so he'll run away when he's in trouble he wants to be seen by buffy present on this on the location but he won't do anything that puts himself in harm's way got it he's like that group member of the team project who doesn't actually do anything but his name is still on the project xander has never sent his slides (laughs) uh and but uh, so giles talks to her and he's like when i was 10 my father sat me down and told me i was 
destined to be a watcher. And he and Buffy's like, I bet you were thrilled. And Giles says, no, I was planning to be a fighter pilot or a grocer. Uh, but like his father, like but Giles's father was a watcher, and so was his mother. Watcher organization goes back several generations at least. Um, and he was like, so I definitely understand like sacrificing what you want for what you have to do, or at least in Giles's case, what you're told you have to do. Like Buffy seems a lot more specifically prophetically necessitated to do what she's being instructed to do she has a super strength and he's like but you know and i know that i've like given you a lot of shit but you're actually doing a pretty good job okay so he's finally recognizing that she knows what she's doing after five episodes of giving her shit she's gonna he's gonna give her a little morsel of congratulations yeah and then they both are like and I bet the master is pissed because we killed the anointed one. True. And the master, he, we see the master at the end of the episode, yeah. right? With the little boy. Yeah, because he's not really pissed because the anointed one did live. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, the little boy is the what the what prophecy was about. Got it. So the other people were just random vampires? Yeah, that guy who they fought in the funeral home, they thought he was the one that the prophecy was about, but it ended up being the boys, like the switcheroo got it see i that went over my head in the episode i thought it was more like oh the anointed one might be dead but i've still got plenty of vampires even these new ones i just made including this little boy yeah yeah and that is sort of what happened but it's also the boy was the anointed one the whole time got it um so yeah that's the episode again I like literally to me this is better than the first episode. Yeah, it was. I enjoyed the episode. Um famously we didn't watch it with any Hulu ads. True. This is the first one we watched on my DVDs. Yeah, so it, it flowed a little better than the other ones. That's we didn't a good point. We didn't have a 2 minute break every 10 minutes to watch ads. That's that's a really good point. It, that could be contributing. Though I think that even without even if we were to watch this with ads, I think that it would be clear that this is the best constructed so far. Yeah. I'm into this episode. And look, I'm glad we're getting back to the vampire master mythology, uh, sort of the larger story arc for the season. Or the series, we don't know yet. Or I don't know yet. Um, yeah. Still, it seems like every episode, though, there are just like new vampires and none of the vampires introduced in the pilot have ever come back like where is darla where is darla we're looking for darla i'm a darla fan we gotta see julie benz do something here maybe they're saving her up could be maybe she's gonna teach the anointed one how to be a vampire that would be a very interesting plot line i would like to see that do you think we will see the anointed one again no that's tough I don't think so. Okay. These don't seem to really be carrying over plots from episode to episode. Fair. Um, so no anointed one, no Owen is the predictions. Yeah. Great. Um, so yeah, that was Never Club Boy on the first date. The band from in the bronze this episode was a band called Velvet Chain. Um, this is their only appearance on an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but they also are in a comic book of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy has a lot of comic books. 
I know. I've um, seen them in your closet. <laughs> true. In uh, 2001, they released a comic book called Willow and Tara, One a Blessed Bee. And this band was featured in this comic book. I don't think I've read this one. And if I did, it was back in high school. Uh, but... So yeah, in there, some of their music is featured on like the album of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and they also released a uh, Buffy EP, which includes the song Buffy (parentheses She's the Slayer), described as their own theme song to the show, written due to the overwhelming response from the Buffy fan base, and because the band thinks the show is so cool. Nice. Seems like they. It was a real marriage of the minds when this band was asked to beyond buffy yeah and you know this was their only episode appearance so they were not brought back sadly even though they loved the show do they reuse bands or is it like every episode is a new thing i think it's always a new band but i've never really paid attention to them before because they're generally bands i've never heard of yeah well maybe we'll see a band we've recognized somewhere along the line maybe like a cold play will be playing at the bronze yeah we'll have to see who is i think that the biggest i'm not gonna spoil never mind um so yeah that's the bronze uh fashion moment mike what was the fashion moment of the episode for you yeah the a few a few notable looks um i think i have to go with i can't remember what scene it was in but buffy had like a green and silver dress that Mm -hmm. she was wearing that was really cool yeah that was in the first scene where she's like in the library sitting on the table and then talking to owen for the first yeah time. that was a good dress yeah i agree uh i thought that her date outfit was really cute with the pink coat and then i also thought that cordelia's like crimped hair was really noticeable i forgot all about the crimped hair yeah. that was good slay from her uh or at least an interesting choice yeah i mean was that the first or the second night at the bronze that was the second night where like she like because we saw her talking more yeah okay so maybe she only brings it out when she knows she doesn't have a date and she's going to the bronze and she's like i gotta attract something tonight draw them in yeah this is sort of like the of the moment fashion mm-hmm. i guess i also had an anti-fashion moment mm-hmm. that i just wanted to slide i would say in that the here. current hair was partially an anti-fashion yeah. moment for me. and unfortunately my anti-fashion moment is also a Cordelia look. Um, in the cafeteria scene where she bumps Buffy, mm-hmm. she's wearing like a short sleeved sweater, and I it was just and it's also like a turtleneck. It was very <laughs> weird, and it was like, girl, you are in California. You do not need a sweater. Um, in any as someone who's only been to California once, I didn't need a sweater, so I assume you don't need sweaters out there. And I just didn't think you needed it. It, it wasn't working for me. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is tough. Usually our usually our fashion moments are pretty pro Cordelia and can be anti Buffy at times. Uh, but here, you know, we flipped the real script. Yeah. Uh, so, Mike, what was the biggest slay of the episode? The you? biggest slay. Well, I was really into when that vampire broke the glass with his head with one swing. Mm-hmm. Like that was pretty iconic. It really showed his threat level. It was like, oh damn buffy's gonna really have to fight hard really worried now yeah what was your slay moment i was i did thought it, i did think it was very slay to see buffy do another flip i really thought we were done seeing the flips i yeah. but you know i'm and i think that i probably just thought that because i've i had you know maybe in a rewatch i wouldn't necessarily throw this one on in the past because i didn't think that i liked this episode um but yeah slay on the flip um 
And I know it was part of my fashion moment, but I did just think that Buffy's date outfit was so cute. The pink, the pink coat was just like really, really cute. It was a fashion moment and it was a slay. I agree. Uh, moving on to Xander Slander. I think we covered it pretty thoroughly earlier in the episode, but Xander's a creep. We hate Xander and he needs to be dropped from this group immediately. I agree. Looking in the, looking in the mirror at the girls is just like, what? And then I, and it just really feels like we'll never return to that moment. No, I feel like it was like you, like you were saying, it was sort of laughed at as ha ha funny. And it actually sort of reminds me last night we were talking with your mom and your sister about like old shows and sitcoms that don't hold up anymore. We were watching an episode of Seinfeld. um, And it's just like, the the sensibilities of the time and what was appropriate or funny on tv i mean this was in the 90s but i'm sure there are examples of this from even five six years ago ten years ago um were things that were considered funny or appropriate or just looked at negatively now um and this doesn't hold up and this is fucked up i agree um would definitely not be a part of the my Buffy reboot. No. This scene is getting written out as well. I mean, Xander as a character would be written out of the reboot. <laughs> so true. That's a great note. Xander, we can take him just out entirely. No need to rework. This is a structural issue. We cannot even rework Xander to be good. We just need to build something new. Yeah. Um. So moving on to Scooby Power Rankings. As discussed, I did accidentally... I sent over a synopsis that included the word Scooby's. Uh, to describe the gang so we're just going with it not a big spoiler but when do they become the scooby gang i can't remember i think it's probably sometime early in season two that they start mm. saying that okay so not terrible but scooby power ranking probably buffy number one even though she was like not ready to like she didn't she was you know being reluctant to do it but she had the research down she and then she slayed the vampire anyway and she like did it and she went on the date like she was like on top of everything. To yeah. Me. And she protected an extra person that's not usually there at the, the scene of the crime. Well, yeah. actually, she thought he was dead, but he did yeah. he did end up surviving. And she tried to protect him by not bringing him. Yeah. And he showed up. Anyway. That was really his fault. I agree. And then Giles. I feel like he also did his part on the research. And again, I feel like Xander and Willow didn't really do anything to help. I mean, they went and got Buffy. But yeah. they But they could have beeped her. They could have. So yeah, I guess Xander Willow for going to get her, but otherwise not doing anything. Yeah, interested to see if those two step up in the next few episodes. Because it seems like Buffy and Giles are doing all the work, and they are just hanging out. That's what it's, yeah, so far. I mean, sometimes Willow can hack into stuff, but she didn't do that this episode. No hacking. And Xander not doing anything almost ever. Yeah. Maybe we just need to cut him from this ranking. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, I'm comfortable leaving people off if they don't do anything, like Angel in this episode. He truly showed up to tell her information she already had. Yeah. So he's not a part of it. True. And he's not in the opening credits, so he wouldn't be a part of the ranking. Did we put Owen into the, uh, this, this group? Did he do anything? I don't think he was particularly helpful in... No. Fighting that vampire. I mean, he did... Actually, he did actually help. At one he point. threw he, more punches than Xander yeah, he hit, he hit a, He hit the vampire with a tray while he was, like, choking Buffy. So, yeah, I guess I would put him above the, 
<laughs> on the level of Xander and Willow. Xander and Willow went and got her, and Owen, like, saved her. I guess above Xander and Willow for me. Barely, though. Yeah, but there's a huge gap between him and Giles. Yeah. Um. Great. So, moving on to the summary of the next episode. Uh, cover your ears if you're not interested in spoilers or a Xander-centric episode. Um. You can listen. Uh, uh, okay, so it says, When Buffy and the rest of the su- rest of Sunnydale High endure the annual field trip to the zoo, Xander and some other kids sneak into the quarantine hyena exhibit, but leave in an altered state. It's up to Buffy, Giles, and Willow to discover the cause behind Xander's bu- bizarre behavior and reverse the transformation before it's too late. Meanwhile, Xander's new aggressive demeanor doesn't play well with his old friends sounds bad (laughs) okay so it sounds like we're moving away from a vampire plot line next week true very few there are almost no vampire references in that summary yeah and it seems like xander is going to be acting even worse towards people yeah Hmm. do you like hearing the summary at the end of the episodes or would you rather go into the next episode with fresh eyes probably fresh eyes yeah i mean it doesn't make a much of a difference to me uh maybe as like a little tease for the the fans out there mm. um if who knows how they're listening to this podcast so maybe they're about to listen to episode six right now um so this will prime them for that um yeah, it doesn't make much of a difference to me. Okay. I'll think about I it. I like it. Well, I was really excited when we read the synopsis about the witch mm-hmm. and the cheerleading tryouts. That was cool to, to look out for. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, great. Then I will, I'll continue on with it for now until you, until we reach a point. And if you ever ask me to stop doing that, I will. Uh, okay. So then Mike, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Matt Flawless Lawless on Instagram. Um, we are at Buffy Boyfriends on Twitter. Uh, you can subscribe to us on any podcast, whatever that you listen. Any anywhere you listen to podcasts, we're we're there. I think. Um, so subscribe there, rate and review. If you have a contact with Taya Leone and she wants to talk about Madam Secretary with us or Madam President, um, we would have her on the podcast for a little a non sequitur. Yeah. Yeah, I would ha- I would happily watch Madam Secretary slash Madam President to do an episode or, you know, or 22 episodes yeah. about Madam Secretary. Madam Secretary Boyfriends offshoot pod. Yeah. We're, we're open to it. <laughs> Sam, anything you oh, want to plug? Thanks. Um, yeah, you can follow my other podcast, At Bitterger's Pod, on Instagram and Twitter, Talking Survivor. This past week, we had Scout Cloud Lee from Survivor Vanuatu on to discuss the most recent episode of Survivor. Not the most recent episode by the time you're listening to this, but the previous episode of Survivor. Um, yeah, that's pretty much everything for me. Uh, that pretty much wraps us up. Anything else you'd like to say? No, I hope everybody... Is this episode going to come out tomorrow? Thanksgiving. Yeah, Happy on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So yeah, I hope everyone has a good holiday, however you choose to celebrate it, um, with whoever you're celebrating with. Um, thankful for all of our listeners. Um, and yeah. Cosign.